This is Will Montgomery, former Washington Redskins center. Yo, what's good, folks? This is Trey Johnson, the headbanger, yo. And you're listening to Mess Hall with Rally Captain and Tailgate Ted. Word. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Tailgate Ted on here by himself this week. Our man Rally Captain wasn't able to make it. And as you can imagine, he's also headed out to Denver for our Broncos game. He is doing a rally this week. We know we had a lot of people ask us, message, DM, tweet. Give my man a follow, at Rally Captain. He's got all the information on his Twitter. But for those of you that are wondering, he's hosting a rally at Tom's Watch Bar. It's at 1601 19th Street, Unit 101, Denver. It's going to be on Saturday from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And he's also raising money again this year for the Red Cross. He did it last year. He's doing it again this year. Our friends from Woolbridge Collectibles are actually giving you a chance to win an autographed jersey by the posse. We're talking Gary. We're talking Art. We're talking Ricky. So make sure you get out there. Stop by Tom's Watch Bar. Have a good time before we take on those Broncos. But I want to get into the show this week. We've got to have a guest, Brandon Walker, coming in from Broncos Wire. We've also got some listener calls. And really just excited to preview this matchup against Denver. But before we do that, we got to give love to Don't Sleep Energy. Mike over there helped me out. The show's coming out a little late this week. I've been in Pittsburgh, hanging out there. Not really a fan of that town, but I wanted to go out there and go support our Nats. They were taking on the Pirates. Took a couple of days to get away, get some September baseball in before it's almost over. Doesn't look like postseason's going to be anywhere close, but I was out till maybe 2 o'clock in the morning every night. And getting up at six in the morning so I could listen to the junks back home. And let me tell you, I am glad I packed some don't sleep energies in my suitcase because it helped me survive the past couple of days. Never thought I'd be out drinking at two o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, but you do what you got to do when you're on the road. Mike dropped the prices of his cases. So make sure you check them out at don'tsleepenergy.com. And if you use promo code DMV mess hall, you can get 12% off that order. So it's a great deal. Mike's a local company. Let's help out some local people. And a couple of you guys actually went on and listened and you reviewed the show. So thank you. Kudos, hats off. Rally and I really appreciate that. We could use some more. Every little bit helps. So for those of you listening right now and not watching, shoot, if you're watching on YouTube, pause. Go on there, like, hit subscribe, leave us a review, leave us a sentence, two sentences, whatever you got to do. But we really appreciate it. It helps our algorithms, it helps us get moved up in some of those podcasts listings and it helps the sponsors know that hey people are paying attention so we appreciate that because unlike charles leno you know who just got 7.5 million dollars of his base salary converted into a bonus we run on sponsors out here and our buddies that don't sleep sponsor us and we're hoping to get a couple more so you guys leave that review and uh maybe we'll make that charles leno money down the road i highly doubt though but for some reason the commanders decided to actually Changed Charles' salary. They converted $7.5 million of his base salary into a bonus. And they tacked on three additional void years to his contract, which clears up $6 million in salary cap room. Now, that cap room is for this year. So the question is, what are the commanders doing? Why did they do that? And a lot of you are saying maybe they're doing it to lock up Cam Curl. Cam's under contract. And his extension would be next year. So if you were to give him an extension, I doubt that you'd be increasing his salary this year because he's already making it. So I don't think it's for the Cam Curl reasons. But I'm curious to see what they do do with that extra space. Is it something coming down the road? Do they have someone that they already plan to bring on board? Who knows? I'm not sure what these guys are thinking, but just a little bit of contract news. As far as injury updates, it is Thursday recording this. They haven't come out with the injury report yet today. But as of Wednesday, Jertavius Martin, DB, he didn't practice. He had a concussion. So that's Quan Martin, for those of you that don't recognize the first name. Curtis Samuel, he was limited in practice on Wednesday. He's got a hip problem. So hopefully it's not something that lingers. He was actually our leading receiver this past week. So we could definitely use him out there in Denver. Chase, Ben Stanning reported on Saturday that he doesn't expect to see Chase until week three. He was limited in practice. He's got the neck problem, the stinger, which I don't 
but I've never heard of a stinger last this long. But Rally and I extrapolated and talked about that last week. To me, this defense was a top five defense without Chase. It'd be great to have him out there. But the guys that we do have are balling, as we saw during that Cardinals game. So I'm not really going to worry or cry too much over the fact that Chase might not be out this week. Sam Cosme, he had a bum shoulder. He was a full participant. And Terry, he's got that toe. He was full. And Sam Howell, some were actually wondering and speculating. I know uh, EB from the sports junkies was saying, oh, it wouldn't surprise me if Sam was on the uh, concussion protocol because he took that big old hit. And a lot of people were just kind of worried because there were talks during the post game that Sam was just walking around that locker room just beat. Well, this is actually how Sam says how he feels. So let's hear it from him. You talked about recovery and, and getting back in. How are you feeling? I mean, that was a really physical game. Did it feel differently than Dallas or even college games? Honestly, I ran the ball in college so much that it it wasn't really anything crazy. Um, it, obviously, it was a physical game. Um, and it being the first game of the year, you know, the first time that not only me, but all the guys played a whole game this year um, was was a big factor in that as well. But it was a physical game. Um, but I feel all right. I think I did a good job in recovering the past two days and getting two good workouts in so my body feels back to normal. Sam saying his body feels back to normal. He did take a ton of hits. They had six sacks. And going back and looking at the film, not all those sacks were on the offensive line. Actually, Charles Leno got graded by PFF Pro Football Focus a 78.2 in that grade. So Sam held onto the ball way too long. He was just kind of eyeing receivers down. And Eric Begenmi has said multiple times, he even said it today during his press conference, that Sometimes Sam is seeing a lot of this stuff for the very first time, and he's being patient. And us as fans have to do the same thing. We've got to understand he has played two NFL games. That's it. And I understand he beat the Cowboys last year, and he just beat the Cardinals, but a lot of this stuff is new. And there are a lot of exotic blitzes, a lot of exotic coverages that he's going to be going up against that it's going to take him some getting used to. So... Those of you out there that are frustrated with Sam's stats, just, just be patient. And I'm hoping that he kind of fixes some of the sacks that he actually took last week and doesn't have that same problem this week. When you looked at the sacks, was there a collective takeaway of uh, something to clean up or any common thread? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm always going to, you know, err on it was my fault just because I think I can I could have done a better job. Um, I mean, there were some of them where I just – ran out of bounds at like a yard or two behind the line of scrimmage, which is just dumb, you know, just throw the ball away. Um, and, you know, the, obviously the the strip sack for the touchdown, you know, that was on me. I was just trying to do too much, especially down there backed up, you know, don't try to reverse out and spin out of it, um, just be smart. Um, but for the most part, I think there was places to go with the ball. I just got to do a better job getting the ball out of my hands. And the O-line did a good job throughout most of the game. Um, and obviously the stats don't show it, um, but I got to do a better job helping those guys out. These are the ups and downs of having essentially a rookie quarterback. And I know he's not a rookie. I get it's his second year, but let's just say he's a red shirt. I mean, Sam, this is new. We'll see how it goes. It's going to be a season long process, but we talked about in the past, he auto corrects and we're hoping he auto corrects this week going over to Denver and mile high. Cause I've got no doubt that they're going to show him some stuff that he has just flat out never seen before. And I know a lot of you just see the box scores. The Broncos lost to the Raiders. Well, it's not that simple. They had a chance, a decent chance at winning that game. It was a fairly even game. And this is actually what Sam has to say about the matchup versus the Broncos. Sam, going into uh, the Denver Broncos this weekend, Jimmy Garoppolo was able to lead the Raiders to a win uh, over that team different styles of quarterbacks between you and Jimmy G for the most part, but do you still find that there are things you can take from his experience in, in week one, given that the Broncos have a new defense this year? Yeah, I mean, definitely watching the film and just seeing how, you know, what, what their plan was going into Denver. And obviously they, they had success and ultimately won the game. Um, and that's hard to do, especially in a place like Denver. Um, you know, it's a great environment for them and it's a, it's a super exciting opportunity for us um, to play a road game in a, in a hostile environment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously just watching the film, there's a lot of things you can take from not only what Jimmy did, but from what the Raiders were doing on offense and things that worked, things that didn't work, and just getting a feel for what the defense is doing. 
The Commanders are up for a tough challenge against the Broncos. Last year, they were 5-11. and 11. Well, this year, they've got a brand-new head coach in Sean Payton, and we all know who Sean Payton is. He took the Saints to a Super Bowl, did a great job with that program. It's actually still under contract or was still under contract with the Saints, and the Broncos wanted him so much that they gave up a first-round and a second-round draft pick in 2023. So they believe that Sean is going to be what Russell Wilson needs to get back on track. But we asked our listeners, what do the commanders need to do to leave Denver with a win? We got some voicemails here, and we also got some replies back on social media. Going over the social media ones first, Shane Peter says we need to win the turnover battle. I mean, to me, that, that couldn't be more obvious. We lucked out last week. We had three turnovers. Cards had two. We still won the game, but that would not happen against the majority of the NFL. We truly, truly, truly were better lucky than we were good this past Sunday. We're not going to get that going out to mile high. Billy Peter Martin says, keep the pressure on Wilson blitz through a gaps. And I agree. They do need to get some pressure on Russ. We can't let him get comfortable back there in that pocket. Russ was 17 for 19 in the first half against the Raiders. So you got to get him flustered. You got to get him off his mark. The thing is, this isn't your old Russell Wilson that we're used to seeing scrambling and running for first downs. Russ had one carry for one yard this past week. But if any of you got a chance to go back and actually watch that game, he scrambled in that pocket and bought himself time. He just wasn't going across that yard marker. So he wanted to stay back there and give his receivers time to get open. So if we do get that pressure on, We've got to make sure we're rushing four as one, something that we have talked about that John Allen, Scanina, Kerrigan, a bunch of the guys preached and make sure that they're not just running out there like independent contractors trying to go after them and giving Russ lanes to run through. Jason Ferris said, get there early and start acclimating to the environment. Denver has the greatest home field advantage in the NFL. It's really hard for the defense in the fourth quarter. Get some picks and we can win. Jason, I hate to break it to you. Ron Rivera doesn't agree with you. Ron is planning on getting the guys out there within 24 hours of the game. He does not want them out there earlier. He's got this whole stipulation and just really hypothesis about that altitude and getting acclimated to it. So they're not getting there early. Tony Brula says, do not turn the ball over. Do not run the G damn ball three straight times inside the 20. The other pieces will fall into place for a 2-0 start. I agree with half your sentiment, Tony. You can't turn the ball over. Same thing as Shane said earlier. But we ran the ball three straight times inside the 20 because, really, the enemy was worried about giving that game away. He called 33 passes to eight runs in the first half, and it wasn't balanced. In the second half, it was even more lopsided towards the runs. But we had a chance to go up by four, and he didn't want to risk anything going wrong and another strip fumble. Who knows what could have happened at that point? Another tip for a bad interception. So he wanted to give a chance to go up by four points. So that means we trust our defense to force the Cardinals to go 75 yards for a score. And the way that defense was rocking and the way FedEx had just amped up its energy, I didn't think that was going to happen. I don't think anyone did. So I'm fine with EB's play calling. And like we said last show, it's still a work in progress. Evan Rizeki said... <laughs> Evan, do not let Gibson touch the ball ever again. Gibby's he's got a fumble problem. It's to be realistic. It is an issue. And he keeps doing it. He's not going to get the ball again. I just don't like the fact that we were running on third and six out of shotgun off tackle of Brian Robinson. If you truly want that young man to be at his best, don't run him out of shotgun. This was some of the stuff that we had an issue with Scott Turner, running our guys out of shotgun. Give them the best opportunity to succeed. You're going up there with three tight end sets. Now, Armors are fullback, and he's on the practice squad, so you're not going to have a lead backer in there. But you still, you're coming out with two tight ends, three tight end sets. Maybe go out there, have those tight ends go in motion, shift to an H-back, and give him a lead blocker. Maybe make John Bates that lead blocker and give B-Rob a chance to actually do it. Not AG. Maybe make AG a little Curtis Samuel scat receiver-esque because uh, him taking those hits in the hole just makes me nervous every time. 
Justin Woody chimed in, said score more points in Denver. I think Justin might be related to Captain Obvious. And Mike Hartz chimed in and said, we've got to improve the linebacker play and run the ball better. Cody Barton, I, I know Drab T-shirt from the Sports Junkies, he's a big Seahawks fan, was not a fan of Cody Barton coming here. And I can see why. Cody just seemed, he played every single snap, but he wasn't really a factor in the game. Same thing with Jamin Davis. A couple of those routes, and I went back and watched the All-22. There was a longer pass out in the flat that Jamin just got burned on. And it was kind of an interesting scheme. And I'll see if I can cut up and put it on the YouTube page. Now, for those wondering, we do put this on YouTube. So check out the video portion, and you get a chance to see some other clips and highlights. But I felt that Jamin was just confused because there were almost a back and a tight end coming out in the flat at the same time, just staggered. It's like Jamin didn't know who to cover and who to take care of in that scenario. And I'd love to hear from maybe London Fletcher if he could actually explain whose protection that was or whose man that was. But linebacker play has been an issue here in Washington since Ron Rivera came here. And it's just frustrating because he is a linebacker from the 85 Bears. Jack Del Rio is supposed to have stout defenses. And you make all this investment in your front four, and in your back guys, but you do nothing with a linebacker crew, and it's just a liability. Drives me crazy. But we also got a couple, but we also got a couple of listener voicemails. So let me get through these. Ted Rowley, how you guys doing? Well, first and foremost, for beating Denver, we need to not turn the ball over like we did last week. Uh, you're not going to have too many weeks in the NFL where you turn the ball over like we did last week and actually win the game. And secondly, I think we need to run the ball. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Good afternoon, fellas. This is Greg from uh, IPA Sports Talk. Um, just want to reach out to the question that Stephen posted in, a, in his Facebook group. Um, uh, what we what it would take to get a week two victory in Denver. Uh, my thought is, man. Uh, I think we played well. I think the line played better than what we thought after I rewatched the game. Uh, last week was fun. I mean, the electric, the, the atmosphere, and everything was grand at that stadium. Uh, it was just good to be in attendance. Uh, but to take the victory, to get a victory coming back, to bring it back from Denver, I think we just have to be more consistent and not lose the ball, man. Keep the ball, control the ball, meaning. Uh, Stop being careless with it or make them, you know, get your cat, fumble. You know, if we take away that and uh, clean up some things and uh, Sam can get his feet right and get the ball out quicker in his hand, I think we're going to be solid. Uh, I do predict that we will win this game. Uh, I think our defense is crazy solid, man. Incredible that front. That front four is, you know, beast. Especially if uh, Chase comes back, I think he's going to have a big year once he do come back. Uh, I'm optimistic on that. Uh, Montez Sweat, John Allen, Deron Payne speaks for itself. They are absolutely fantastic. It would be hard for me to find four people better than them combined together if they get it right. And our back end is very solid, man. I'm impressed, man. Even Jamin Davis, man, people complaining about linebacker positions. I think we play solid defense. If we continue to play that level of defense, and Sam could just be more efficient. I know he's young. He's only had two starts in the regular season of the game, but I got high hope for us. We come back with this victory. I think we went at uh, uh, 24 to 13 or 24-10, to 10, something around in that day, because I think our defense was just solid. Hey, y'all, keep doing what you're doing, man. Appreciate y'all. Talk to you soon. Thanks. What's going on, fellas? It's Lori Lord. I just want to give a big shout out to you guys, man. Continue doing doing what y'all doing. Definitely, definitely amped, man. We we got two we got two days a week of the podcast now. But yeah, but my thing for us to win, I I, I want to say that they definitely need to run the ball and also get Sam Howell out that pocket, man. Get him roll him out, get him out that pocket. But I think that's what we need to focus on. All right, fellas, continue the good work. Rally and I really appreciate everybody's text messages, tweets, DMs. Appreciate you guys putting the voicemails in there. And I'm right there with you, Lloyd Lloyd. It's it's good to be back on two times a week. And even though Rally couldn't make it this week, we wanted to make sure that we had a show for you guys 
good and ready to go. So just know that we're always looking out for our listeners and we're going to continue to do this each and every week, twice a week during the season. And I really appreciate everyone's optimism and sentiment. You know, we got to hold on that ball. We got to protect that football. We actually talked about it this past Monday. And for those that did watch the YouTube, we put a little uh, clip in there from the program and the scene where the young man falls asleep in class and they fumble the football and they're fighting for it all the way to the front of the classroom and the professors, like, what the hell are you guys doing? You know, we got to treat that ball like it's gold, like it's your child. And you cannot put that thing on the ground. You cannot turn it over. And you've got to make sure you protect it with everything you've got. We have a chance to go 2-0 for the first time since 2011. That's how long it's been. And we're looking to snap a three-game road losing streak to Denver. We haven't beat Denver the past three times we played them. But we are up for a challenge this week, let me tell you. And speaking of which, luckily, Brandon Walker from Broncos Wire is going to join us to help break down that challenge this week versus the Denver Broncos. What's going on, everybody? We are joined by Brandon Walker. Brandon is a contributor to the Broncos Wire. You can find him at broncoswire.usatoday.com. You can also find him on Instagram at bwalker underscore Colorado. Brandon was gracious enough to share his time with us today to help preview this matchup that we have against the Denver Broncos. Thank you for joining us, Brandon. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you having me today. Uh, we, we hey, by the way, I love the on. intro. We had to do a little Rocky Mountain music for you jumping on with us today. So we, we definitely appreciate <laughs> it. We want to make you feel at home before we bombard you with a couple of questions here. Perfect. So we're from the D.C. area, obviously. We, we don't play the Broncos that often. We don't get to see you guys that often. But we all know about Russell Wilson. And he is a, you know, top of the headlines for those out there that play fantasy football. And we know that you guys came up short week one against the Raiders. And really, for fans that didn't watch that game, the score doesn't do it justice. Will Lutz missed an extra point. And he had a chance to actually make a 55-yard field goal to potentially get a go-ahead. But granted, it's a 55-yarder. And a 55-yarder in Denver maybe equates to a 35-yarder someplace else. But Will apparently had the yips and didn't, you know, get that through the uprights. And they came up short. But don't let that score fool you. They were in this game the entire way. What was the atmosphere at Mile High this past Sunday? You know, I think it was a really, really interesting atmosphere because there's a lot of excitement with Sean Payton as the new coach. Um, you've got potentially a bounce back season from Russell Wilson. And I feel like it was a it was definitely a changed environment from what it was last season, it's especially toward the tail end of last season. It was almost like a complete 180 from the end of the era to the beginning of the Sean Payton era. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of, and uh, I feel like last year when we were down in the game, it felt like even a two point lead, two, three point lead was never safe. And that if we were even three points behind, we would never be back into it. I think when we were down late, the Raiders, it felt like we were in it the entire way. Yeah, having gone back and watched the film, I, I really thought you guys were going to kind of eke that thing out. And seeing just the game mm -hmm. develop, the fact that you guys went for an onside kick at the opening kickoff of the game, that to me is Sean Payton at his finest. Just catch you off guard after taking some time off from the Saints and just coming over. And next thing you know, I mean, if it wasn't for that penalty, you guys would have started off and just completely shocked the Raiders at that point. Yeah. And I think the surprise onside to, to start the game, to start the season, was vintage Sean Payton, like you said. Uh, I mean, he had that surprise onside in the Super Bowl against the Colts. And I was I was really happy what he did, the aggressiveness of Sean Payton. We didn't see any of that last year. And the straight-up aggressiveness of Sean was just 
uh, I think that really charged the stadium as well. And it really kind of excited that fan base. I can only imagine. There was, there was actually a rumor during the transition of ownership here in D.C. that Sean Payton had a conversation with a potential owner. And it never came to fruition. And we don't know which owner and running was it. But Sean Payton was interviewed and mentioned how a commander's potential buyer wanted to talk to him about coming to D.C. and being the head coach for the Washington Commanders. But we lost him. You guys got him. You fired Nathaniel Hackett after one season. He didn't even make it the entire season. There were two games left in the season. No. But you guys brought Sean Payton on. But you also traded a couple of picks to get him because the Saints had his rights. And Sean is the second highest paid head coach in North America. We're not even just talking football. We're talking all of professional sports in the Americas, second to Bill Belichick. I mean, what's the sentiment in Denver? The fact that you guys have not had a playoff game, I want to say – since 2015, I think it's the second longest. So the feeling here in Denver is that Sean Payton puts us in a great position, um, that he puts us in a position to become a playoff team. We're not, I don't feel like we're quite there yet. I think there's a sentiment that he brings, and remember hearing during the offseason, that he's good for three wins on his own Sean Payton is so I feel like we could be a fringe playoff team or even a we don't make the playoffs this year but we could make it next year so I don't feel like we're quite there yet but I feel like we're on a great track to get there but you guys seem to be on the right track in George Patton yeah GM George I don't know. Here in D.C., we've had a lot of misses when it comes to draft picks. And I feel that George doesn't value draft picks as much as your typical GM because he traded some picks away for Sean. And I think it was a 2023 first and a second for Sean Payton. And in the trade to acquire, acquire Russell Wilson, you guys also traded four draft picks to the Seahawks to get him there. And Russell obviously didn't work out in Denver last year. And we all know that the Saints with Geno Smith ended up making to the playoffs. If that were to happen here, George would be definitely on a hot seat. How is that seat out there in Denver for George? I think that it will remain to be seen until after this season and maybe even potentially next season. Because there have been a few coaching moves. Last year was um, he hired Nathaniel Hackett before the before the Walton Penner ownership group came into possession Broncos. Um, so that was his hire. And he was here, I believe, for the second half of Vic Fangio's two years here in Denver. So I really think that George Payton could potentially be on the hot seat depending on how this year goes. But I actually have a lot of faith in George Payton because of really? the aggressiveness in the, in the trade market that he's made, some of the signings that he's made. This year he gave up, or this year he shelled out $105 million for the offensive line to shore up the offensive line in Ben Powers, and Mike McClinchy. And then we went out and signed an AFC rival uh, player in Frank Clark uh, as a pass rusher. So I feel like some of the signings that he's made and the draft picks that he's had, I mean, every single year, every single member of the draft class this year in 2023 made it onto the 53-man roster. How many other teams can say that? Not a ton. Not a ton. The fact that he has had a chance to have these guys contribute and make the roster definitely speaks volumes. It's just what can they actually do now that they're on it? I, I feel like, um, especially at the safety position, we look Hayden Stern, we 
one for a injury for his tendon um, at safety. And Kareem Jackson had uh, an inexcusable penalty late in the game against the Raiders, really kept that drumming and allowed Las Vegas to run out the clock and not give Denver a second, a last chance effort uh, at, at a game-winning field goal. I feel like we may see J.L. Skinner out of Boise State this week in coming weeks where uh, he was one of the draft picks this year for the Broncos and seeing those rookie contributors, we already have um, one guy right in the middle, Riley Moss. He's been out with an internal injury, but uh, Drew Sanders, I mean, he's been incredible. Um, and he'll really shore up the middle of the linebacking core, and he's already gotten some great snaps there. Well, you guys have a former Washington football player on your team with Fabian Moreau. So it's tough for me to cheer against Fabian, but I, I wish that young man all the best. And I, I'm excited to see the matchup this weekend. I mean, you guys have the luxury of having your first two games at home, but you lost to the Raiders week one, and now mm -hmm. you've got us coming in. And there was an interesting stat that I saw that since 1990, there have been 256 teams that have started 0-2. Only 30 of them have actually made the playoffs. That's just a little over 11%. So I've got to think that this weekend, even it's week two, let's be realistic. There is no right. such thing as must win in week two. But considering you guys have the second longest playoff drought, and you've got the commanders who struggled against the Arizona Cardinals, who are projected to have quite possibly the worst record in the NFL this season. This should be a pretty easy win for you guys, but there's no such thing as easy when it comes to the NFL. And I feel like that, like you're saying, it's week two. Is it really a must win? Yes, it's absolutely a must win. It has to be Sean Payton's first win. In front, of the, in front of the home crowd, you've got momentum. You've got, obviously, the mile higher, the elevation playing for you. I feel like this is really a must-win situation for Sean Payton because last year it was really hard when we started off. I believe we started off 0-2 last year as well, and it was demoralizing because we've gotten a brand-new coach in Nathaniel Hackett last year. We had a brand new quarterback in Russell Wilson. And there was all this excitement in Denver. And really when you started 0-2, it definitely brought that feeling down in Denver. It really kind of put a damper on the excitement that was supposed to happen last season. Now I feel like people are more cautiously optimistic this year with Sean Payton pairing with Russell Wilson this year, but I think it will, this has to be a must win this week against the commanders. So week two, because a, a lot of commanders beat people, a lot of commanders fans, they believe it or not felt that week one was a must win versus the Cardinals. And it's, it's absurd to say that considering it's week one and <laughs> I can admit that I actually took the Cardinals plus seven points because I didn't think that we were going to beat them by seven. You've got a brand new head coach at that point in time. You've got Josh Dobbs with Arizona. That is a young man that has no future in this league. So you don't know what he's going to do. But I, I can appreciate the fact that it's got to be tough for Sean Payton to come in, being the second highest paid coach in the NFL, and to have his first two home games Granted, the Raiders is a tougher draw, but to have his first two games at home and to potentially go down 0-2, that's got to be devastating. And I'm sure there is pressure there. And Grant, I think the Bengals went 0-2 last year and still did very well. So it's not to say that it's a, a, a death warrant if you guys do happen to take an L this week. But my curiosity is Russell Wilson. You guys made that massive trade last year to bring Russ to town. Everyone was wondering, is Russ going to cook? 
while he's out there. He didn't have the best season. You guys went five, I think it was five and 12 last year. Russ, oh, yep. Yeah, Russ averaged 235 yards a game. And I was reading some of your articles on Broncos Wire. And for those that don't know, you can catch Brandon Walker on Broncos Wire. You can find him at broncoswire.usatoday.com. But Russ last year averaged 235 yards a game, but it was his worst season as a pro. This past week, he went 27 to 34 for 177 yards and two touchdowns. And in your article, Studs and Duds, you declared Russ a stud. Why did you do one that? Reason, one reason I did that was because I felt it was the best I've seen Russ play while he was here in Denver. The last two games, the Jerry Rock games after Nathaniel Hackett was fired against the Kansas City Chiefs and Los Angeles Chargers uh, to wrap up the season last year were good. Uh, but I feel like this was the most complete all-around game that I saw Russell Wilson play in Denver. It was a, He had a multi-touchdown game in week four last season. That was his first multi-touchdown game. But this time he had it in week one. So I feel like that combined along with no turnovers. He didn't turn the ball over, something he did at a prolific rate last year. I think he almost had as many interceptions as he did touchdowns last year. So he already has a 2 nothing interception to touchdown ratio. Um, so I feel like he really is set for a bounce-back season with Sean Payton, who's one of the best offensive minds in football. Um, he had Drew Brees who was a shorter quarterback and a more mobile quarterback. But last season, it took Russ until week four against the Houston Texans. Uh, and he had a multi-touchdown game against the Texans. And he didn't have many other multi-touchdown games. So we're hoping to see more of those. And I feel like it was more on the optimistic side I put Russ's. Okay, so we're grading Russ on a little bit of a curve based upon 2022 right. Russ. And 2022 Russ had right. 16 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. So he, he definitely didn't have the best Russell Wilson year. But as a Commanders fan, I'm not going to lie, I, I wouldn't mind having that. But it's just not your typical <laughs> Russell Wilson that we were all used to watching in that Seahawks uniform. And he's a little different now. Right. And having gone back, watched the All-22, and having taken a look at that Raiders game, I was impressed. I was impressed to see Russ extend plays. He kept plays alive with his legs, but he didn't really try and extend them to the point of leaving the pocket and rushing. He gave his receivers time to get open and time to get to those yard markers, and I want to say there was a stat that I read where the average play on the, on the uh, Broncos drive was 10 plays per drive. And a lot of that was Russ just waiting for his guys to get open. And that concerns me from the commander's perspective because he had one carry for one yard. So it's a little alarming if you look at the stat sheet. But he had chances to run. He didn't take them. He just waited for his guys to squeak through and get open. So with all the injuries to the receiving core, you would think that uh, Russ would have would have run more. But I feel like, with, especially with Sean Payton as, as the head coach here now, that Russ is really trying to be kind of that pocket extend plays type quarterback where he can find receivers downfield. And I think you'll see more of more of that when Jerry Judy gets back from his hamstring injury. And also uh, it's, it's tough when a lot of your leading receivers go down, uh, especially early in the season. I, I mean, that's tough for any team. And Russ had, uh, Russ had a big time last year when I think three of his four receivers went down. And Tim Patrick was out even before the season started. And he is again. So I feel like that is uh, somewhere where you'll see Russell Wilson extend plays more. 
and he'll find a lane if open, but he's not going to take any unnecessary risks and, and uh, injury risks. I was really surprised to see that going over the All-22 because there were a lot of times where that Raiders defense gave him lanes to run through. But instead, I felt right. that Russ decided to just sit back and wait for receivers to get open. And if anything, in the first half, Russ was 17 for 19 in the first half. I mean, he was hitting his receivers. Granted, it was 125 yards, but he was still finding guys that were open. And that, honestly, Brandon, is what concerns me about the matchup this week. Because Washington has a stellar defensive line with John Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat. And we'll see if Chase Young plays. I, I doubt he will, but our defensive line is great. But can the secondary hold up and cover to the point of Russ's scrambling? And can they actually hold that coverage to give their front four time to get to him? And I don't know. I'm, I'm a little concerned about the matchup we have with you guys this week. And so I think that's why we made a big investment in the offensive line this year because we face so many good defensive lines we face the chargers we face the raiders who have one of the best pass rushers in max crosby and russ held onto the ball way too long last year and i think that's something that also he's been working on is trying to get the ball out quicker and when he extends plays obviously the ball is going to come out a bit slower but when he finds the open receiver, he'll find him. Yeah, you could definitely see that. Regardless, I mean, you can't get back all those points in one play. And you saw Russ no, methodically no. inching his way down that field, you know, going back to the average of 10 plays per drive. But you mentioned Jerry Judy earlier in your comments. Last week, we yeah. saw him in pads. But when push came to shove, he was a no-show for the game. What are the odds he lines up against the Commanders this week? You know, I'm going to be vague for you, and I'm going to say 50-50. Because um, especially with how injured Judy has been over the past few years, you want him deep in the season. You don't want him injured in the heart of the season during our toughest opponents, especially that weeks, uh, week seven through nine stretch when we play the Kansas City Chiefs twice in three weeks. So I think that is going to be um, – I think he'll be a participant in practice leading up to the game, and then we'll see if he'll be a game-time decision for Sean Payton and the Broncos this week. Selfishly, I'm hoping he doesn't make it. And granted, <laughs> we would love to see you guys at 100%. So this way we know that your best against our best is how it came down, but realistically, this is the NFL, and wins it are is. hard to come yep. by. And any advantage that we can potentially get over you guys, I will take a thousand percent. But you guys do have a two-headed monster in that backfield with Javante Williams and a running back who we're familiar with here in D.C., Samaj P. Ryan. Those guys actually had a nice little one-two punch this past weekend. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like those two at running back really complement each other. And I think that they are realistically a pretty great tandem for the Broncos' backfield to support Russell Wilson. Samaje Ryan is the better pass-blocking running back, but he can also receive, and he's a receiving running back. And he can also go for short bursts in the running game. And Javante Williams is just a bowling ball who can carry three, four opponents at a time. Yeah, it was definitely noticeable. I mean, and to me, them catching passes out of the backfield. P. Ryan had four passes, four catches for 37 yards. I mean, it just it concerns me. Williams had four for five yards. Grant wasn't a ton, but they are still threats. And with Russ being able to extend plays, you have to be just cognizant of where those guys are when Russ is trying right. to buy some more time, whether it's for his receivers or his tight ends or his wide receivers. But given the fact that from your standpoint, this is a must win, what do you expect to happen when the clock strikes zero and the fat lady has sung 
this Sunday? I hope to see a win, and I hope to see Russ pass for over 200 yards. Um, I'd love to see him pass for another one or two touchdowns. And if he throws a turnover in there, I, it's the NFL turnovers happen. But we have to keep the turnovers to a minimum. We've got to continue to have Russell Wilson continue to extend plays. And we also have to have that one-two punch at running back and really kind of uh, complement the passing game. I can appreciate that. I'm sure you want to see one too. <laughs> but one last question for you, Brandon. And once again, we're joined by Brandon Walker from Broncos Wire. Really appreciate Brandon taking the time. Make sure to follow Broncos Wire. These guys do a great job of covering all things Broncos. You can find them on Twitter at the Broncos Wire. And you can find Brandon on Instagram at bwalker underscore Colorado. Ton of great content out there. But you guys came up short against the Raiders. Selfishly, I hope it happens again this week against us. But the Broncos lose this game because. Give me a scenario that makes Commander fans happy that you could potentially see going down. Broncos lose the game if Russell Wilson is under fire from the commander's defensive line all game. I, I feel like that will be kind of the difference, how the offensive line of the Broncos does against the defensive line of the commanders. And it all comes down to how much time he has in the pocket. And I really think that's what it all comes down to for this game and for this season. If Russell Wilson has time, he will extend those plays. If you can't, then we're going to be in trouble. I agree with you, Brandon. I, I think Russ is going to do his best to extend plays, to keep drives alive, and use his legs to give him a chance to use his arm. Uh, full disclosure, I'm taking the Broncos this week. I, I don't see Sean Payton going down 0-2. It is his first chance back to prove that he can do this, not just with Drew Brees, and the Orleans Saints, but to also prove that he is worth the draft pick investment that the Broncos put in him yeah. and the monetary investment, and to go down 0-2 starting your first two games at home. I, I think this is ultimately a task that the commanders are going to fall short of, and it, it pains me to say this, and it's going to piss my listeners off <laughs> to say that. But realistically... <laughs> The Russell Wilson that we all saw on TV last season, the 2022 Nathaniel Hackett Russell Wilson, is not the same 2023 Sean Payton Russell Wilson. And those that don't believe me need to go back and watch that game because he impressed me. Even though the box score doesn't show it, he really did everything he possibly could short of rushing a couple more times and tucking that ball to win that game. I agree. Well, Brandon, for your sake and and for our listeners' sake, I hope you and I are both wrong. But I really do (laughs) appreciate your time. Hey, thank you so much. This was an an awesome opportunity. I'm glad I got to be on here with you. And uh, I'm excited for the game this Sunday. I sure am. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. I know we're trying to sync back up in here between Eastern Standard Time and you out there in Mountain Time, but we made it work. Our listeners appreciate it. And other than this weekend, all the best the rest of the way. All right. Thank you so much. Have fun at the Nationals game today. I definitely will, Brandon. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Thank you. Really appreciate you guys giving Brandon a chance to talk about the upcoming matchup versus the Broncos. Sorry for some of the audio quality issues there. I don't know if he was sitting in a tunnel or it really is a mile high up and then I'll get 5G up there. But Brandon, thank you for coming on. Thank you for joining us. I let the cat out the bag with my prediction of the game, and I hope I'm wrong. This is a winnable game. I think the spread is only three, three and a half, depending on where you get it. So that's more so home field advantage. I'm just concerned about the Sean Payton factor and that Coach Payton, you talked about it with Brandon, he's desperate. They had an opening kickoff that was an onside kick. You know, he's going to be pulling tricks out of his bag that no one's seen for a couple of years because he was retired. So I'm sure he had a chance to write up some more 
gadget plays and different tricks on some napkins while he was just sipping Mai Tais on a beach somewhere. I'm concerned that Sean Payton's going to pull out all the stops because he can't afford to go 0-2 to start off his career as a Broncos head coach. They gave up picks to get this man there. He is basically their savior in everyone's eyes, and he cannot afford to lose the first two games of the season and the fact that they're both home games of the season in front of that mile-high crowd. What was it? Nathaniel Hackett didn't make it three entire season. And granted, they're not going to terminate Sean Payton. The guy is on a five-year deal getting, I think it's $18 million a season. There's zero chance they're going to do that and do it to him, do to him what they did to Hackett. But he's got to be feeling some pressure. That team's got to be feeling some pressure. And if we can get under their skin, hey, Nick Gates, that's your specialty. Just don't get a penalty on our side. Maybe we can get out of this thing. But for us to win this week, we have got to play a damn near perfect game. And I think it's just a lot to ask from Sam having been his third start. And yes, he has played in hostile environments. This is his first NFL hostile environment, but the on record saying today during his press conference, he played at UNC. They, they definitely went into some bad buildings and he was the away team guy. And it definitely wasn't the rosiest of pictures and welcomes welcomings inside those stands. So I hope I'm wrong. But my player for the Broncos not to sleep on, if the Commanders are going to win this game, this segment sponsored by our friends at Don't Soup Energy, my player or players is going to be that defensive line, that front four. I need them to rush four as one. I need them to keep contain on Russell Wilson and make sure he doesn't get a chance to scramble and use his legs to extend plays because that secondary is going to get tired out. They're not going to be able to cover for four, five, six seconds. And their average play drive was 10 plays. That's a lot of time to be on that field in those conditions with that altitude. You've got to make sure Russ stays in an actual pocket and you contain him and you are gap disciplined. So if the commanders are going to win, it's going to come down to that defensive line. So I'm saying the Broncos should not sleep on them. And by means, I don't think anyone in the NFL is because they can see and they know the talent that we have on that front four. Rally did chime in, sent me a text message with his pick. And he also apologized for not being on the show. He's taking the commanders by six this week. He thinks we're going to go up there. We're going to do our business and we're going to win by six. And he's saying that Cody Barton's going to have a bounce back week. That is his don't sleep player of the game. Cody Barton. So knowing what happened last week, I hope Rally's right. I hope Cody does come back and he proves why we brought him here. And fingers crossed, I'm wrong. I hope to God I'm wrong. And Rally's right and our listeners are right. And we get out of mile high and come back to FedEx Field 2-0 for the first time since 2011. I appreciate you guys listening to the show. I, I probably owe Rally a dollar if I use his trademark, so I'm going to let him finish the show with that. But for me, thank you guys for chiming in. Thank you guys for participating. Thank you guys for supporting. And looking forward to seeing you all back out of FedEx Field next week against the Bills. Take care. I'm excited for my people Cause we deserve a lot more than that We focus We focus And we about to take all of that If we do what we supposed to If we lock in and stay focused I believe it's starting to know